Hey friends, thank you for pressing play and tuning into Women in Transition. I am your host, Tia Davidson, and you're invited to join me every week for transparent storytelling about life, love, and business. Get ready to laugh, to feel inspired, and challenged to get out of your comfort zone. We are all adjusting to this world of perfection experts doing it for the gram, when in real life, we're just out here trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. Hang on to our adult relationships, find the balance between side hustle and nine to five, and adjust to our new identities in marriage and parenthood. Each episode, I will help you see the growth and possibility in what's next. Are you in position for the next transition? Let's get into the show. Are you an entrepreneur who needs some encouragement from time to time, but you're tired of listening to boring affirmations that put you to sleep? I understand. That's why I created something we can bounce to. My name is Z and I want to invite you to download my album, Crowned Affirmations, the ultimate soundtrack of encouragement for entrepreneurs. Crowned Affirmations is helping so many of us stay the course. Stream Crowned Affirmations on all digital music outlets today. Welcome back to Women in Transition with Tia Davidson. I am your host, and today I have a guest joining me from the Millennial Wives Club OKC chapter by the name of Alexis Coleman. Alexis is a millennial wife and a millennial mom to a six-month-old boy. I know Alexis as a take-charge type of woman who I enjoy working with, and I am so excited to get to know her even better in this conversation. Alexis, please tell the people who you are as a woman in transition. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Alexis, like she said, and I'm a woman in transition because um, I'm a new mom. Like she said, I had a newborn baby boy six months ago. I got married about two years ago, and I actually just started a business three months ago. And so those things are, I guess, why I'm in transition, and that's why I'm a woman in transition. Um, so to give a little bit of background about myself, I'm a city of Oklahoma, born and, ra- born and raised, um, and I have six siblings. I have five sisters and a brother, so I come from a very, very big family. And yeah, um, I'm in the Millennial Wives Club and that's how I met Tia. Yes. And I wanted to share Alexis' story because she birthed a whole baby before COVID got crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And as a new mom to a baby boy, I'm very interested to hear her perspective on her thoughts raising a Black son today. But first, let's get into a little more background to who Alexis is as a wife. So, Alexis, I know this story, but please please tell the people how you met your husband. Well, I actually wasn't going to give the real story, but since Tia put me on blast and she knows the real story, I guess I'm going to have to be 100% transparent with you all. Um, So, I met my husband um, (laughs) in high school. He was actually drum roll um (laughs) he was dating a friend of mine um back in the day like this is again high school we're about 10 years um removed from high school so it was a long time ago but he was actually dating a friend of mine and um we have went to his school for a football game and um like she was going to see him and I was just tagging along I had a boyfriend at the time so I wasn't even thinking of him 
it at all. And so that was the first time I met him and knew who he, who he was. And so then we started following each other on social media platforms. Um, so like Facebook, Twitter, um, I think this is before IG was really popping. So really just Facebook and Twitter. Um, and yeah, we became cool. Um, like again, in passing and like on social media, wasn't anything like that. And then fast forward. So this is probably like my sophomore, junior year when they were dating. And so again, I was, I had somebody I was dating, so it wasn't even anything like that. They broke up a few months um, after they started dating. So they were only together for like, I think maybe three to four months, if that long. A few years later, so like the summer before I went off to college, um, I was single, he was single, and we were we were flirting back and forth on like Instagram by this point. Then I think he just asked me to go on a double date with him, his brother, his brother, a girl that his brother was talking to at the time. We had a, a good time. We were hanging out that summer. Um heavy like we were going on dates just hanging out kicking in we both were going to college um in the fall so um he was going to OU which is uh, one of our state school and then I was going to OSU which is another one of the state schools and they are a good maybe two hours apart so he went to OU I went to OSU but we were still going to like talk not make anything serious but we were we were going to talk um and then once I got to OSU <laughs> I became friends with these people who he went to school with. And so I'm trying to be, you know, all cute, like, oh, y'all know Jeremy trying to get some some dirt, but thinking I'm not going to get much because he's like, in my mind, like, he don't do nothing. He don't talk to nobody. Like, he's just really cool. And they're like, oh, yeah, he go out with so-and-so. And I'm like, <gasps> shattered at this point. <laughs> and so I was just like, you know what? I, and this was like the first month of college. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to quit talking to him. Like, it's not even worth even trying to continue or ask questions because like I'm a freshman in college like I'm gonna meet so many people here so many dudes is what I thought like I'll, I'll be dating somebody else in a year's time so I was just like you know what stop talking to him um and so I, I just stopped talking to him until this day he, he gets mad or he doesn't get mad but he's like I can't believe you just stopped talking to me without asking me any questions but yeah I just stopped talking to him cold turkey just stopped returning his calls stuff like that and then fast forward a few years later um so this so that was like 2012 and so fast forward to like 2014 and mind you we dated people in between the the time that we talked uh in 2012 so then I dated someone else broke up with him and in 2014 the weirdest thing happened uh, my friend was actually looking for a date to this event and my friend and his brother um, were actually cool. They went to high school together, but she didn't have his number. And like, they were the type to be like, oh, you know, you want to come with me to this event? Uh, he would have been like, yeah, like they were good friends like that, but she just got a new phone, didn't have his number. So I was like, oh, I can just get his number from Jeremy. And so I messaged Jeremy, but then she ended up getting the number already from somebody else. And so I was like, okay, well, I just won't message Jeremy back. Like I wasn't thinking about it. Then I got bored one day and I uh, messaged Jeremy, uh, like after he messaged me back asking what, like, what's up? I was like, well, I don't need anything anymore. I just wanted to reach out. Like I made up some lie or something about why I was reaching out. And uh, I was like, but thank you. Like, don't worry about it. It's okay. Like, just checking in something like that I can't even remember but then he's like oh, okay well what you doing like how are you like and so then we just started talking and like since that time in 2014 we just had been inseparable and then yeah we got married and had a son oh my gosh so you shot your shot 
well, <laughs> I guess if you put it like that, I did. Um, I like to say I didn't, but he likes to say like it was me who came back for him. But I just feel like, you know, I guess like I'll, I'll say, yes, I, I'm the one who shot my shot that that second go round you definitely did and and I and I and I love it like I try to encourage my friends all the time to it's okay to initiate communication right right period like if you're wondering and you're interested in someone like you don't have to just be waiting around and hoping and wishing that they, you know, thinking about you too. Like, yeah, it's like, Hey, how you doing? Like, what's wrong? Right. Right. I'm the same way. And that's why I definitely, you know, wanted you to tell that story because I'm like, uh, (laughs) I can relate to this because I, I support it. I support it. Right. No, you definitely have a point. Um, but me and him just go back and forth with that. Like, he's like, Oh, you tried to get with me. And I'm like, well, I knew you liked me anyway, so does it count? But you're right. I definitely shot my shot, and I secured it. And yeah, look at us now. <laughs> look at you now. Okay. Right. So why do you think you and your husband are such good partners today in 2020? Honestly, because we're both really goofy and fun, and it just works. Like, with everything going on in the world today, um, you can be con- with negativity and just consumed with anxiety and just get down about like just everything going on. And so us having this playful relationship, this goofy relationship, like um, we clown each other a lot. Like we joke so much. Um, and I think that's what really makes us great partners, but also the fact that like, we definitely do a good amount of giving and taking uh, in relationships. So if there's, areas where he's weak I try to step up and be strong and if there are areas where I'm weak he definitely steps up and be strong and even if there are areas where we're both strong um you know we know when to kind of balance like okay like I'm gonna let you take the lead on that because it seems like you know a little bit more on this subject honestly if we're being 100% transparent I probably do that a little bit more than my husband just because he's a know-it-all mm-hmm. um and so I-, I like to let him take the lead on a lot of stuff but sometimes I like to challenge him like well you don't know, like, and we'll go back and forth again, playfully, um, but just kind of challenging each other's intellect and stuff like that. And so, um, like I said, we just do a lot of giving and taking and just balancing each other out, especially uh, with our faults. So I think that's really, really what makes us work well together. Yes. And I think that's really good. Um, That's really good advice to anyone out there as far as like communicating and recognizing your strengths and weaknesses and how you are able to work together and support each other, you know, during your weaknesses. So, so how do you guys make decisions in your household? I recently posted this on social Mm -hmm. media last week and it's because it's been like a topic within my friend circle, like Mm -hmm. making decisions within your household. And, you know, we have the side of, you know, what my husband says pretty much goes. And then which I think Mm -hmm. is a little more traditional. And Mm -hmm. whereas as millennial women, because of the way that we were brought up and raised to be independent women. And I feel like millennials, view marriage a little bit more like a partnership and making decisions together. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I, this, this has now been a question for me to ask other, you know, millennial couples 
um, how they make decisions within their household. So in our household, um, again, we do a lot of give and take and balancing each other. So like one of the areas that I'm really strong in, um, uh, I'm very strong in it, but I don't abide by my rules, but it's like financially. Uh So like I handle a lot of the financial things in our house. So like, for instance, like big financial purchases, is like I'll make decisions I'm like okay are we going to do that this month or next month are we going to do this are we going to do that so like financially like since he knows like I'm very structured when it comes to that now I will break a budget don't get me wrong I like to spend money I do but when it comes to like building out a budget sticking to it making sure things are taken care of when they need to be taken care of like before we got in got together he noticed how structured I was in that area mm-hmm. where he was more so like okay like he was paying his stuff but it was not structured it was not on an excel spreadsheet it just wasn't all together right. um and so he let me take or not he let me but we decided I would take the lead on that and then like certain other areas where like I'm just like I don't care he'll like take the lead on those so essentially it's like I said it's just a lot of give and take and balancing each other's weaknesses and strong suits if it's something though no like I don't have a lot of expertise in I'll definitely let him take the lead and then and vice versa so if it's something that like I said financially like he was never just really organized when it came to to those things he's like okay yeah you can take over that because I know I'm not going to be as organized as you will so again, a lot of balancing each other's weaknesses, um, and then deciding, like, okay, who has the most knowledge in these, um, in, in this aspect, or who has the most knowledge, okay, you take care of that in X, Y, and Z, um, but if it's something that, if it's something that we both, yes, aren't sure about, yes. and, like, have no knowledge on, yes. um, I most of the times allow him to take the lead and make decisions, um, but, like, for instance, when we had the baby, neither yes. one of us, of course, had kids. Right. And so when it came to Noah and Noah's health and just different things we wanted to do with Noah um, as a baby and just like just all the things that come with being a new parents, he always kind of let me, you know, take the lead on those because his his thoughts were, you know, you're the mom, you have this mother intu- mother's intuition he trusted that I knew more about that. But when it came to like purchasing our house and like different things around that different houses we were looking at and like maybe if it was like, okay, we need a new fence on this house um, if we bought this one, but this one came with this and like just decisions about like fixing things up and building things like he takes the lead on things like that. So, uh, and even if he doesn't know much, um, I hate to sound like this, but if it's something that's more like, Man, um, manly. manly yeah honestly yeah. I didn't want to say that but if it's right. something more masculine uh, more of a masculine task he'll definitely take the lead even if he doesn't know how to do it he'll take the lead on on doing that and figuring those things out like we built a deck and we he never built a deck I never built a deck but he took the lead figured it out and built us a deck so like again it just kind of it really all depends and we just yeah essentially talk and communicate um and then we'll decide from there who we think you know should make the final decision but it's all always a conversation no matter what it is we're going to converse like even if I want to go spend some money on my son um because we put all of our money together instead of having separate well we have separate accounts but most of our money is together Mm -hmm. um so if we want to if I want to go spend some money on my son I'll just say hey you know gonna buy Noah something you know and that's it like more so communicate with each other opposed to asking each other and and then having someone say, Oh yes, you can do this or no, you can't do that. Unless it's something that one of us is just extremely opposed to. 
Right. Then we'll say, okay, nah, let's wait till next month or no, we need to stop spending the next one Z. <laughs> okay. I like that. It's like, it's still a partnership, but with the things that you guys don't know about, you kind of like rely mm-hmm. on the gender roles <laughs> of, of honestly. Things. Yes. Yeah. Which <laughs> is like both, which is a balance, which I think is healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so in addition to being a mom and a wife, you work full time and, <laughs> and on our blog, we discussed wife guilt, just like mommy guilt. Have you mm-hmm. ever experienced wife guilt or mommy guilt yet? And how do you find time for self-care? All of the time. I always um, mainly experience wife guilt um, because as a new mom, it's just so consuming or being a mom in general is going to be consuming of your life and of your time. But Mm -hmm. as a new mom, um, who, like I said, I only have a six, he's only six months right now. I'm still trying to figure out how to be a mom. And so that literally takes all of my time. Like it's, you know, I'm 24. Well, especially in the beginning. Um, I may be a little bit better now, but it's mainly 24-7 Noah, which is my son's name. Um, And so I'm just 24-7 focused on him to the point where like we may get in bed at night. And I'm like, man, like I haven't just sat down and had a good conversation with my husband where it's just us talking about something that maybe didn't pertain to my son or our son. Um, and so I definitely experienced the wife guilt, um, a lot just because like, I, I just want to pour into my husband so much more because before we had our son, it was constantly us pouring into each other and doing everything together and like him doing things for me and just like focusing on me a lot and then vice versa, like just a lot of like give and take everything was about us. We were taking trips together. Like we were just doing so much stuff together to now it's like, we'd still do stuff together, but we have someone else in the mix um, that we have to care for and put 100% or most of our attention into. And so I definitely experienced a lot of wife guilt. Mom guilt, I have been experiencing a little bit, but not as much um, because with COVID going on, I haven't really had to leave my son too much unless I wanted to. So we have gotten out a few times I can let his parents um, watch watch Noah or my mom watch Noah. Um, but I don't ever really feel guilty about that too much only because like it's been six months and I don't get out much due to COVID and I've been working from home and my son has been home. So like anytime I get away, um, it's like, okay, I actually need to get away because I haven't been away in forever. And like I said, I've just been kind of in the house with my son for such a long period of time. Um, and so like, maybe if I'm gone for more than a few hours, I'll feel a little bit bad, but for the most part, I haven't had bad mom guilt yet because I haven't had to leave him too much, too many times. Okay. And so how have you found the time for yourself through all of this? You know, I really haven't. If we're being (laughs) completely honest and transparent, I really haven't found a lot of time to myself. Um, It's really hard to balance um, being a mom and then being a wife and doing all those things. And then again, with COVID going on, it's like, well, ain't really much you can do right now and the things that you can do like I was taking walks with my friends but we were taking our our sons which was fine because the son our our boys are all young and so we were you know pushing them in the stroller and Mm -hmm. uh, they would sleep pretty much and so that was some time I was taking during COVID just taking walks um but other than that like I I haven't really 
been able to do much of anything um just due to you know COVID and, and everything that's going on like that but I do try to make a point to um like I said let Noah visit his grand his grandparents and on times like that we'll me and Jeremy may just chill at the house or we may go do something and we'll just kind of let Noah see other faces that we trust of course so like our parents um but other than that yeah no I really haven't did a lot of self-care these past six months which is something I really want to want to do Yes, even if it's like, you know, listening to an ebook or working out or, you know, when he goes to sleep, drinking some wine or something, (laughs) you gotta, you gotta do something so you can stay right. (laughs) <laughs> no definitely I need to try to work it into my schedule I was trying to get into working out but it just seems like the days are so short <laughs> like 24 yeah. hours goes by so fast yes I agree especially when you have a lot going on and when you have a lot to do for sure like today was my off day from my job job and I'm like it's already six o'clock like this is crazy <laughs> right exactly like time usually during my work day it seems like it's going by so slow mm-hmm. but you know today it's just flying by I guess time flies by when you're having fun <laughs> <laughs> I guess so yes that's, that's definitely true so with you becoming a mom what were your initial thoughts on becoming a mom and what did the mom lifestyle look like and what influenced your image of millennial motherhood? Um, So my initial thoughts, um, honestly were, oh my gosh, I am terrified. Um, because we were not trying to have, um, kids at the time Mm -hmm. that I got pregnant. We, we're just being a little irresponsible. And so like, it wasn't, it was not the plan to have a baby until I was, um, until a few years. So like I got pregnant last year in 2018, the goal wasn't to get pregnant until like 2020 or something. Um, and, or 2021, like we just wanted to wait a few more years. But when I got pregnant, um, like I said, we weren't trying. So I was very, very terrified about a lot of things. Um, specifically and honestly these things now that I look at I'm like these things don't really matter but I'm still terrified but like my career I was uh that in 2019 so last year when I found out I was pregnant I had one more semester of um my master's program left and I knew after I got my master's of the job that I was working with they were going to give me a promotion and things like that and so I was nervous that since the at the time of me getting my master's, which was December, I would be giving birth to my son because he was due December 30th. And that's actually the day that he came. But um, I was just nervous that like, okay, well, I'm going to be getting my master's, but three weeks later, I'm going to be pregnant or I'm going to be having my son, which means I'm going to be on maternity leave. And it's like, are they even going to give me a raise? And just all these things were going through my mind. Um, And so I was very nervous about like my career and what it would do to my marriage because me and my husband hadn't even been married a full year once we found out we were having a baby. And so I was just really, really uh, petrified and just nervous and scared of of what motherhood would be. And I was also, um, just, yeah, just very nervous. Um, but once I like, you know, me and my husband talked about it and we just kind of, I kind of calmed down and realized like, okay, this is happening. Nothing you can do. Like, let's think about, you know, how you want to be as a mom and what the mom lifestyle looks for you. Um, I started 
imagining my mom. And like I said, uh, initially I have six siblings, five sisters and a brother. My brother is married um, and he has um, kids and all of my sisters have kids. So when I started to envision what mom life looked like, I imagined them and they are all very, very strong women. I imagined my mother, who's a very, very strong woman. And so it really, you know, made me realize like, okay, I can definitely do this. Like, you know, all of my siblings are doing it. I know it's not easy, but they make it look easy. And I know that, you know, I have them to call on. Um, Like I I have a friend who was actually, um, once I found that I was pregnant, I think she was going to be due in two months. And so um, I was like, okay, like I I know she's going through it around the same time. Our kids will be the same age. I have her to look at um, and, and influence, you know, like, you know, me as a mother. And so, especially because, my siblings are close in age and so they're millennials. And then, like I said, I have a friend who's a millennial um, and, and they're all moms. And so I just kind of looked at them, what they were doing. And um, I was like, okay, like, yeah, this is what mommy life looks like. And I, I definitely think I can do it. And so, yeah, that kind of took all the anxiety away um, for the most part. Right. That is good. That's good that you had those examples. And like you said, like people, so close um to you being mm-hmm. pregnant like you had your friend to rely on and it's kind of mm-hmm. like you guys can learn together <laughs> right right exactly so that's great so did you have an easy pregnancy i did i didn't have um it, it wasn't bad i was definitely more pessimistic during my pregnancy because I was just like, not, I, I, I wasn't, it wasn't in the plans to be pregnant. So I wasn't a super happy pregnant person. I wasn't mm-hmm. an angry, mean one, but I just wasn't a super like cheery and like, oh my gosh, like oh, everything, you know, baby, baby. Like I was really adjusting to what was going on mm-hmm. um, in my life. So the pregnancy was easy. Um, I did have some morning sickness, um, which is all day sickness, um, to be real, but I did have some uh, morning sickness. Um, in the first trimester, um, I was just so exhausted. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to mention, we found out that I was pregnant the day before we moved into our, or the day before we closed on our home. Oh. And so, yes, yeah, so we were, we were doing a lot of transitions or I was doing a lot of transitions at once. So we moved into our home and like our home uh, was recently renovated. And of course they paint the walls and stuff. And so like, I would get so sick coming home because of the, the paint smell. And of course all the scents are stronger when you're pregnant. So I would just get so frustrated. Uh, in the beginning I would be so tired so I remember in the beginning I just did a lot of sleeping I didn't really throw up but I would be very nauseous and like strong smells would overwhelm me and I would just be upset and kind of moody very moody in the beginning but the second trimester my mood definitely increased um and I was just more happy and chipper and then the throwing up kicked in (laughs) and so then I started throwing up in the second trimester a lot like I was just getting the the actual this morning morning sickness not just being nauseous but more so like okay I have stuff that's that's coming up then my third trimester I was just tired and big and so um I was just not mad but I'm just like okay this baby is you know weighing on my back and so um other than that though it was definitely a good pregnancy all of the things I experienced were pretty normal things that everybody experienced I didn't have any real complications at all throughout my pregnancy like everything was was pretty good um luckily 
Oh, good. I, I can I was asking because I was like, you had all these people, you know, all these support. So I was like, maybe they can give you some tips and tricks to make that pregnancy go by. <laughs> go by. Yeah, you know, it really ain't no tips and tricks. Like they gave me some stuff. Um, uh-huh. But you know, it's just something you bear through. It's something that you go through. Some people don't ever have morning sickness. Like I have a friend who never got sick, had her baby natural, pushed him out. Like everything, hers was like the ideal pregnancy ideal birth um and delivery and then you know some people like I have a sister (laughs) who um had morning sickness up until she was like eight months pregnant like throwing up constantly like instead of gaining weight while she was pregnant she lost a lot of weight and so like I'd have the extreme it's just something that you aren't ever going to be able to know how it's going to be on you until you actually go through it and then each pregnancy is different so it's really just a gambling game noted don't waste money on <laughs> on someone ch- telling me the perfect way to go through my pregnancy because it, yeah don't <laughs> okay i got you okay well okay so tell me about this birth story all i know is from the outside looking in like personally i feel like i wouldn't have known any of this um happened while you were pregnant because you just seemed like you were still taking care of taking care of business. You were still like living your life. You know, you were still working. You were still on it. Like even with the millennial wise club stuff, I just remember the day <laughs> you went into labor, which I didn't even know. I texted you because there was some kind of presentation that you were supposed uh-huh. to upload. And then next thing I know, your husband's texting me, like you just had your baby and you were literally <laughs> texting me up until the point like I had no idea and then you were like still like oh yeah I'm gonna upload that presentation (laughs) (laughs) and I was like girl have your baby what are you talking about stop texting me like this is crazy (laughs) it was it yeah just tell us the story girl because I got I can't wait to to ask you about this story Yes, yes. So my birth story is one for the books. Um, And looking back on it now, like, at the time, I wasn't even thinking about this. But looking back on it, I'm just like, this is what people talk about on social media when they refer to doctors not listening to black women. Mm. And at the time I wasn't even thinking like this, but I'm like, like I said, looking back on it um, a few months after I had my son, I'm like, Oh wait, something could have really happened to me because y'all weren't listening to me. Mm. So, um, so let, let's just talk about the birth story. So like I said, my son was due on December 30th. I did end up having him on December 30th. However, um, I started experiencing labor pains. Um, I want to say December 27th. Um, and so this is, yes, this is three days before my, my son was born. So Friday, Actually, it might have been even December 26th. I don't know. I I started feeling pain um, sometime at the end of the week. So that was um, December 26th is the day after Christmas, of course. Um, But that's it was a Thursday. And so towards the end of the week, I just started experiencing labor pains. Um, And so like, um, I'm just knowing the baby was coming early. I just knew it, knew it, knew it. And so um, 
the contractions, me and my husband are timing them and they're feeling very close, but then they're spreading out. Um, they're feeling close and spreading out. And so cool. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was the 26th. So the 26th we're like, okay, we're probably going to have a baby either tonight or tomorrow. So the 26th, I'm still walking around trying to um, induce my labor because my plan was to have my son naturally um and so I was like okay like we're just gonna walk we're not gonna go to the hospital until we see the baby's head no not not that dramatic but we were like no we, we didn't I did not want to labor at the hospital because it's not as a, a it's not as of a relaxed environment it's just more it causes more stress and then maybe we'll make the baby not want to come as fast so Anyway, I just wanted to do as much of the labor at home as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And so me and my husband, and plus when you go to the hospice, hospital, you can't eat. And so I'm like, no, I want to be at home because I want to be able to eat when I'm hungry and stuff like that. So anyway, so Thursday is good. Like I said, I'm feeling contractions. We're timing them. They're close apart. Then they're far, far apart, close apart, far apart, whatever. Not thinking much about it. Just trying to uh, wither through it. We go get some food Thursday night. Then um I'm having a hard time sleep, but my husband is sleeping, of course, like a baby. And so then the next morning comes and I didn't really get any sleep overnight, but because my, my stomach is like hurt, like I'm I'm having contractions, Um, but they're, they're, they're feeling very, very, very intense. So then Friday comes and I'm like, okay, babe, like, um, you know, like, I think, you know, it's time to go to the hospital. It's like midday Friday and I'm just in pain. I haven't gotten any sleep. I'm like, okay. Um, you know, the contractions are increasing and the time was increasing and the app that I had was like um kept telling me like okay I think it's time to go to the hospital because of the time of the contractions so we get to the hospital and uh they check me and they're like I think they say oh you're barely a one and I'm like no no way like this cannot be barely a one pain because I'm not saying that I have a high pain tolerance but I know the pain that I was feeling was, it just, it couldn't be. And so anyway, so they checked me out and they're like, oh no, it's just, this is labor. You know, go back, essentially after a few hours, they send me back home. And so I'm like, no, something's not right. And I'm, I tell them like, no, something's not right. They're like, okay, they asked for like a pee sample. I'm like, I can barely pee. Um, and they're like, okay, we'll just try, you know, it's probably the position of the baby, whatever. And so they send us back home. I'm like, okay, like I'm, I'm salty because I'm like, okay, is childbirth really this painful to where I'm thinking I'm at, at least a six or seven right. and I'm at not even a one? Like this can't be. Like I said, I I know my pain tolerance is not that low. Um, but I'm, it, then at the same time, I'm like, well, shoot, maybe it is. And so I'm like, okay, well, um, whatever, we go back home and this is Friday. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going back to the hospital at all because, or not at all, but I'm like, I'm not going back to the hospital until I know for sure, because that's, you know, that's embarrassing. And like, I just felt really bad. But then again, the contractions are just starting to feel worse and worse. And like, it's just, it's just unbearable pain. And so I try to stick it out, try to stick it out. Then Saturday uh, comes and it's Saturday morning. I'm like, okay, Jeremy, like I've stuck it out for like 12 more hours. Like I definitely think it's picked up like, cause it just hurts so bad. Before I go, uh, I call my sister who's a, uh, an RN. I'm like talking to her and she's like, well, yeah, based on what you're saying, it sounds like you, you are further along. Um, so, you know, go to the hospital if you, if you, if you're really in that much pain, you know, like, I I think you should go. And so I go to the hospital again. And, um, 
they say like that I'm still at a one or something. What? And I'm like, no, this can't be like, because the pain is much worse than it was even the last time I went. Like I haven't gotten any sleep. Like I'm just feeling awful. And so by this time it's Saturday. And so um, I'm like, yeah, like, no, this, this can't be like, no, 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 no. And they're like, no, nothing's wrong, essentially. Um, and that's, again, the 20, the 28th um, of, of December. And so I'm like, okay, um, this, this can't be like something, something's going on, y'all like really and they're like no this is just labor they keep telling me it's just labor mm -hmm. and so the, but the pain is getting worse and so I'm like okay so they send us back home and um I'm just like you know what I'm I'm really not going to the hospital like I'm just really not going we may probably just deliver the baby at home because I'm like they're saying this is just the pain and since I wanted to have the baby natural I'm like I'm just going to have to weather through this and so then Sunday comes um, and I'm just at home Sunday and I'm just going through the day Sunday and I'm just in pain. I'm hurting so bad. Like, I mean, just hurting so, 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 so bad. Um, but I just try to stick through it. Uh, and then Sunday night comes and like, um, and mind you, I haven't really gotten any sleep the last few days, um, but I'm in so much pain. So then Sunday night, I'm like, no, don't go to the hospital. Don't go to the hospital. So I wait a few hours. It's about two in the morning on, um, on Monday at this point. And I was like, uh, and I called my sister and uh, she's like, okay, you need to go back to the hospital because even if you're not fully dilated, something is going on for you to be in this much pain. She's like, you know, childbirth hurts and, you know, you, you may really be at a womb, but based on the stuff that you're saying, like, it seems like something else is going on and you need to tell them that you're not leaving until you, uh, until they do a full exam and call your doctor. Because the whole time since it was the weekend, my doctor wasn't on call. So it was nurses checking me out and they were reporting to the on-call doctor and the on-call doctor was telling them, oh, well, since she's not this, tell her to go home. But no doctor had came in and physically examined me. It was just all the nurses. Mm. so I go back to the hospital um at two in the morning and my doctor they um, I tell them like look I'm not going anywhere until y'all get my doctor on the phone and get her to come and so my doctor luckily had already been on her way so it was like okay well doctor's already on her way um and so don't worry about it like she's going to come in and check you like she, she's on her way and so I was like okay cool so she came in and she checked me and I was at about a two or three um and she was like, okay we're going to just keep you like I want to do more uh, monitoring but I have to deliver this baby so we'll get you set up do you want the epidural like just asking me all these questions and so I was like yeah you know going to give it to me because at this point I'm thinking I just have a low pain tolerance and so as um they're hooking me up to everything um and they're getting me ready for the epidural um they have to insert the catheter and when they insert the catheter the nurse is like oh my gosh and I'm like what's going on and she was like I, I, I found out why you know you were in so much pain I guess based on the baby's position, what she said was based on the baby's position, it was blocking my bladder, which was causing my bladder to swell. And I had like days worth of urine, urine, um, this is TMI, but I, wow. I just have to tell the story. Yes. I had days worth of urine in my bladder. And so if my bladder would have busted, it would have caused so many problems. So when she was draining it, like it was 
it, it was bad. Like, so she was like, oh my gosh, like this could have been really bad. This, you know, and she figured out, like I said, while I was in so much pain. So after she drained it, like I felt so much better, uh, but she was already in the process of doing the epidural. So I couldn't even take back like wanting the epidural since she had already ordered it and did all that stuff. Um, and like was about to, you know, yeah, put it, put it in. And so, um, yeah, she was like, yeah, that, that's what was wrong. And like I said, I didn't realize until, recently like I kept telling them that something was wrong with me it wasn't until I saw the post that compared like how the police treat black men to how doctors treat black women that I was like that I put two and two together that like they didn't listen to me they thought that I just was in pain and that I had this high pain tolerance and I could tough it out when in all reality uh when I told the lady the first night like I was having trouble urinating she should have done like x-rays and um different things like that, like a sonography to see what was going on to figure out if it was a bladder problem or something like that, or it could have ended badly. But um, after that part of my birth story, where we they couldn't figure out what was wrong until I actually told them I wasn't leaving, um, everything was, was smooth sailing. Um, I naturally progressed until I was at about um, a six or so. But then the doctor um, was like, okay, let's, we, we want to speed it up. Um, and she asked me if I wanted to, uh, I guess, start the Pitocin, which is an in- induction medication. So I was like, sure, like, go ahead. So then it's, it, it honestly slowed me down. I wish I wouldn't have done it, but because um, I was naturally progressing pretty rapidly. Um, and then around nine o'clock that night, I had my son. And so, or 944, actually, I had my son. And yeah, that, that was the end of that. So that that's. That's my birth story and my experience. Yeah, no, that's, that's real because I actually funny, um, was looking on social media today and there was a post about, um, black women and healthcare and black women being forced to have emergency C-sections when they didn't have Mm -hmm. to and things like that. And there were hundreds um, probably thousands at this point of comments of women like sharing their birth story and talking about how, you know, the doctor told them this and, you know, if they had got, some people had gotten a second opinion and it was mm-hmm. like, whatever that, that first doctor said that they had to do, they didn't have to do. Some people right. didn't learn until they had their second kid, you know, mm-hmm. what could have been done and, and mm-hmm. from having a C-section. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, this is crazy. So definitely understand the analogy with the whole like police and black men and, and doctors with black women. Like, right. Yeah. I was so, like I said, I didn't really think about it until recently, but once I finally like thought out what was going on, I'm like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. But like you said, um, now that I've had my son, I don't really plan on having any other kids. Um, mm-hmm. I think me and my husband are content with having one. We wanted more, but now we're just like, I think one is enough, um, especially just with the state of the world. We're just like, ah, I think Thanks. our anxiety is good with just one. Um, but if we did have another one, we definitely know like certain things that we want to do and don't want to do. So one of my sisters um, had a home birth and she was like trying to persuade me into doing it, but I was nervous. I was like, no, I want to be at the hospital and like, just in case something happens. But I'm like, even with me having a hospital birth and going to the hospital, 
hospital, things happened to me still, and the doctors didn't listen. So I'm like, the same thing could happen at, a, at home birth. Like, I'm more comfortable now to know, like, okay, maybe I do want to do a home birth in the future and just do things differently. Because even thinking about um, when the doctor asked me if I wanted to do the Pitocin, which is the induction medicine, I believe uh, that's the, the name of it. Um, but the even even with that, like I didn't have to do that. I could have naturally progressed. But when you're there and you're in that environment and the doctor is telling you these things, you're you're trusting them. When yeah. at the end of the day, and I'm not saying this about my doctor, but you know, it could well be my doctor. They want to hurry up and get home. They want to do what they got to do and get home. Like they don't want to, you know, sit at the hospital with you all day to have your baby. So certain decisions that they make may not be, you know, the best decision right. or, or it may be an okay decision, but maybe a decision that you don't want to go through with, but you may feel like you should because, oh, well, this is what the doctor's telling me. So I definitely am more mindful of like, when I have my next child or even when my friends have kids, like to kind of tell them to definitely explore their options and do more research on like how they want to birth their baby and what, what are good uh, things to know and things like that. Because I felt like I did do good research, but looking back on it, a lot of things that happened, I genuinely didn't know. And I probably could have did a little more research on. Yeah. So you had that experience. So what, and your son is only six months, you know, now, mm-hmm. But what kind of mom do you see yourself being? Like, what, like, are you, do you see yourself being the supportive football mom, the, the hot mom, the, the mom that's (laughs) bringing out the snacks, you know, like, what kind of mom do you think that you'll be? I think I'm definitely going to be just a super cool, fun, hot mom. But I'm not, I, I don't think I'll be like the hot mom. I'll be like the naturally hot mom, like the like, dang, your mama kind of fine. Yes. Not the like, oh, she the baddest. Like, I think I'll just be like, oh, your mama kind of fine type mom. But yes, definitely just the <laughs> cool laid back. I like to uh, bake. Um, and so like, I definitely think I'll be like baking snacks and having my son and his friend try different things. Like, I think I'll definitely be just like, cool, chill. Like my, my husband takes on more of the authoritarian authoritarian I don't know the right word but he takes on more of the disciplinary role um already which my son is six months so he ain't getting in trouble but just the way he acts he's more of like my husband is just more structured like no this is gonna be done around the house you're gonna clean this you're gonna clean that and boom whereas I'm just more like let's explore let's let's make a big mess let's let's you know do some sensory play and we'll clean it up later and my husband's like nah y'all making a mess so I think I'll definitely just be like the chill laid back um my mom is fun. Like, oh, I can't wait to go to so-and-so's house because they're fun and his mom does X, Y, and Z. Um, so yeah. And then also my son will be in sports too. So I think I'll definitely be the, the cheer on the son and cussing coaches out if they do my yes. baby wrong type of mom. <laughs> like, I think I'll be all of that actually. All of that bottle in one. I can definitely see all of that. I can definitely see all of that. Uh, random but on our past interview someone mentioned how millennial moms today are selling their kids online and (laughs) (laughs) they were like you know we talked about like 
you know, um, what millennial motherhood looks like today and how mm-hmm. you, know, you have a lot of bloggers out there and they're like, you know, selling these products, but then they also, you know, have their kids and they're like, she was like, it's mm-hmm. easier to sell a kid, you know, it's easier to sell a kid. Like I can't post my husband and you send heart, you know, put heart eyes under it. Right. So <laughs> it's like, do you see that on your timeline as well? And as a mom, how do you decide what moments to share and what moments to keep for yourself with your son? Um, I definitely, well, I see it on my timeline because I follow like bloggers or a few like bloggers who may have kids and like I see that. But as far as like the people that I know, I don't really see it. Mm, actually, I do. <laughs> Actually, I just got a, a image of somebody in my head who who sometimes does that. Um, so yeah, I do see it. Um, I'm definitely a to each his own type of person. So I try not to be judgmental when it comes to stuff like that because how you are as a parent and how I am as a parent, you know, can be two totally different people, and neither one can be right, neither one can really be wrong. So I don't really um I don't really judge anybody for it, but I do see that on my timeline. Um and as far as me, how do I decide on what moments to share? I'm a little more open, but my husband is a lot more private than I am. Mm -hmm. Um we haven't really ran into any issues because it's my son or it's our son, but he knows that it's my, you know, son and I'm gonna be able to post what I want. Um but I do like to keep that in mind um that I know my husband is a little more private so certain things I know he just wouldn't care for me to post um on social media but with him only being six months um I just share what I want I just share what I feel but that goes with everything in my life like um as far as on social media like I just share things that I want to share and I keep in things that I want to keep in it's it's not really much of any thought that I put into it if I see take a cute picture of my son I want to post it I will if I take a cute picture and I just want to send it to his godmom I will if I take you know like I just it just really is all about how I feel I never really think too much about social media um and I, I really I really like social media but I suck at it in regards to like um just having like a real not I shouldn't say real content because I guess what I do post is content but I I, I don't structure social media at all I have a very hard time of um feeling like some certain things aren't authentically me so mm-hmm. I'll just be like oh, I ain't gonna post that because like I maybe was trying or like it's like okay you look like you're trying hard or something like that um so yeah I just don't I don't I don't know I don't really put too much thought into it like if it's something I gotta try to do it's like okay like you're doing too much type of thing um yeah so yeah I just I don't know I keep moments to myself that I want to keep and then the ones I don't I'll share yeah, I asked that because um, I've had like family members who had kids and they were like, we're not posting our kid until they're one because all babies look the same. You know, they didn't want to, you know, share <laughs> anything pre one years old. And, and so they had made that decision as a couple and like literally yeah. told everybody. So like if you with the baby, like don't be taking no photos and posting on social media. And it's like, okay, you know, that was like, I had never heard of that. So I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I guess that's the thing. Like some people, you know, pick and choose what moments they want to share and what moments for themselves when it comes to their kids. But yeah, that now that you say that though, me and my husband did discuss that before my son was born and we were like, (laughs) so newborn babies to us, um, 
You know, they just don't look like, they look <laughs> like people, but you know, newborns look like newborns. Let's be real. Newborns yes. look like newborns. Uh, some of them come out looking cute. Some of them come out just looking like a newborn. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they're all all cute. Like, you can't say, a, I, I don't think any baby is ugly, per se, like, at all. Like, I don't think any kid can be ugly. Or anybody really can be ugly in general. But me and my husband did have that that same conversation mm-hmm. and we were like oh you know first if we think our son looks a little weird like we'll be honest with ourselves like we won't <laughs> you know like trip but we gonna we're not gonna be like oh my gosh but you know when you have your baby your baby's gonna be cute to you <laughs> regardless right. like no matter how you think um and so we we did think like well are we we did have the conversation like are we gonna post them or not like and then we thought like well you know would we if you know we think he's not that cute like because we we thought that we would really feel those things or think those things but you won't think that so yeah it, it just never happened with us to, to the point where we were like oh no we're not gonna post that because you know all babies look the same like we thought we would be like that but once we had our son it was like oh we have the cutest kid alive and looking back on the pictures I'm like oh like he did go through the newborn phase I just was blinded because he's my baby you know like every baby goes through this newborn phase so right yeah we did think about that so but no it didn't it didn't end up happening oddly enough like we thought it would oh my gosh I love it okay we're gonna switch gears here so to how you really doing like fast forward to today's time you know we had covid we have black lives matter going on how has covid affected your family or your business so um as far as my family with me having uh like i said my son uh end of december and then covid really uh making this mark in the u.s around march um it it made a drastic impact on us so like the first few months of my son's life we were not of course getting out so like until he was three months we planned to kind of stay in for like the first two and a half three months of his life just to you know it's flu season it was the colder months we're like we're gonna stay in and just you know have some people visit like our parents and stuff like that but not really have a lot of visitors just because it was cold flu season Mm-hmm. once it start warming up that's when COVID came and so as soon as we were making plans to like go around and visit like you know different family members aunts and uncles like widening widening up you know the people we saw COVID came and it was like oh just kidding you're not going anywhere and so I still have family members to this day who have not seen my son just because everything um that's going on right now like, like I said, with the COVID and all that stuff. So it, it definitely made a drastic impact on, on our life. Um, I didn't end up returning to work in the office. I worked from home, meaning that I work from home and I have my son with me all day. So like, I don't really, like I get a break when my husband gets off work of, and you know, I'll kind of work on my business and stuff for a few hours um, a day. But like, we don't, we don't really have like a true, or I don't really have a true, like, okay, I take my son to childcare and then I go to work and I'm away from him like that. Like we, we don't have that type of um, situation just with COVID and all of that um, going on. So it's definitely made a tremendous impact on on our family because even within that part of it, it's like, okay, well, with me not really having a true, you know, break from him while I'm at work, and I I shouldn't say break because 
I don't really need a break. I actually enjoy working. I actually would prefer to be with my son than I would work. But with me not having any separation between the two, it's like when my husband gets home, it's like, okay, like you can, you know, hang out with the baby, you hold the baby, and I'll go to the back and do work, which means that a lot of me and my husband's time is not always spent together um it's like okay I spend time with the baby during the day you spend a lot of time with the baby during the night so I can take care of other things and then maybe around eight or nine is finally when me and him can have our time so it's Mm -hmm. it's it's been a lot uh to juggle for sure um but it's it's been good Uh, I definitely think we've been balancing it as far as my business goes um things have COVID has definitely impacted some of the things that I've been doing. So I own an e-commerce store. That's one of the things that I do. And then like my husband has a lot of different ventures that he does. Um, But within the business, like the different ventures that my husband does require him to be out um, in the public and like uh, dealing with people face to face. So of course Mm -hmm. that calmed down. Like he, um, he can renovate yards. He can cut lawn. He does that like with his brothers. Then he also builds things. So he's been re- asked to do certain things like that. I mean, so just within that, like that, that has definitely slowed down. Um, and then, like I said, with my e-commerce store that I own, um, shipping times have definitely uh, delayed certain products and just different things like that. So, so that's been affected, but honestly, not as bad as I thought it would be. Um, and, and we're definitely doing a good job of just kind of doing the best at what we got. Like we can't really worry about the what ifs and like, Oh man, if COVID wasn't going on, this would be doing that. Like we just kind of got to deal with the, the cards that were presented to us and kind of adjust everything and just kind of keep it going. Right. That's and that's all you can do, really. Yes. Have you learned anything about yourself during quarantine slash COVID life? I've learned a lot, honestly. And one of the main things I've learned is just that, like, nothing is that serious. Um. Well, let me let me backtrack on that. Things are definitely serious, but I used to be so like anxious about things and just like worried and all that stuff and now with all this stuff going on like the things that I was worried about a year ago like I can't even fathom caring about those things so I've just definitely learned to like relax and just like do the things that I can do I've I've learned that um I definitely get very anxious at times of uncertainty but I've also learned to combat that I need to think about you know things that I can control so I've been definitely working on like just focusing on everything that I can control and doing more of that opposed to worrying about things outside of my control I've learned um that I am um actually so I used to think I was very impatient mm-hmm. um but I've learned that I'm actually a patient person um I just need to, (laughs) I guess, practice patience and think, be more mindful of the times that I need to be patient and not, not worry as much about things. Like, like I said, when I, when I get impatient, I'm just like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. But it's like, just be patient. Like the stuff is going to come, like, don't worry. You're going to be okay. Um, And actually, like I said, I've learned that like, okay, like I am patient in a lot of areas of my life now that everything is calm and chill um but a lot of areas that I wasn't like I said within my business and stuff like that where I was trying to get everything done and like thinking I need to make all these moves like that's where I actually need to be practicing patience um I actually need to kind of put the patience in all the areas of my life and not just with my son or with my husband it needs to be within myself as well like be patient with yourself so 
yeah, those are just a few things that I've kind of realized throughout this this quarantine. Yes. And on the subject of Black Lives Matter, how do you feel as a wife who is married to a Black man and a mother to a Black son? At what age do you think you'll have that conversation about the police and being a Black male in America with your son? Um, so to answer the first part of the question, um, as far as how do I, how do I feel when I really allow myself to think about it and like, just feel the feels about it. I feel angry. I feel disgusted with the world. I just feel so upset. I, I feel anxious, um, because my husband still has to go to work and, uh, with the work that my husband does, he's around a lot of white people. He's around, um, a lot of people, um, of power and power and things like that. And so just thinking about, you know, the situations that I know he's in, um, I, I, I can be very anxious and filled with anxiety about just certain things, um, because he's, he leaves every day. And I just, you know, you just never know when, regardless of where he was going, when you're a black man leaves his home, you, you, can worry if he's ever going to return mm-hmm. and or when anybody leaves their home but like I said with the black man and state of the country you just never know if something is going to happen to him so when I really like I said allow myself to feel those things I like I just get very anxious emotional I choke up um so back to what I was saying about allowing myself to control the things I control I can control um I I really try not to think of those think about those things Mm -hmm. um because at the end of the day like like I said I can really let those emotions take over me and when those emotions take over me that affects how I am as a wife that affects how I am as a mother and Mm -hmm. I have to show up every day a hundred percent for my husband and my son so therefore I just don't really allow myself to even feel all of those feelings like I acknowledge them I you know do my part of signing the petitions reposting doing all that stuff but um I definitely don't really like to just really dive in it and and if like I said we're being completely transparent I really avoid watching like the, the videos of like George Floyd I haven't been able to come to watch that um just because like I know what place it will put me in and again with me having to show up every day for my son and my husband Mm -hmm. I just can't allow myself to go down that um hole especially without having therapy right now I haven't I usually go to therapy but I haven't seen my therapist in a minute and so with me not going to therapy I'm like I can't even process all of that as deep as I want to because of the fact that like I won't have an outlet to kind of let it go and process it healthily. And with me, again, having to show up every day for my son and my husband, it's just, it just can't be done. But as far as when we plan to have the conversation, um, honestly, I feel like this conversation is never, it's never going to be a time where we can just sit down and have the conversation with him. It's going to be from jump as soon as he can understand, it's going to be slowly implementing what it means to be a black man in America. So it's not just going to be one conversation. It's going to be an ongoing conversation because it, it looks different, you know, as, as a toddler, you know, and, and I've been reading stuff, you know, kids can process racial or racism at a very young age. So at a, a, as a toddler, a black toddler, you know, it's going to look different than it will look as a black you know elementary school student as a black teenager so this conversation is going to be ever evolving so as soon as our son is able to understand differences 
and people in general will be implementing conversations like, okay, yes, um, you know, that person, like, because I know I have nieces and I know one of my nieces, um, she, of course, she's like four, but she notices race. And so she'll say, oh, that person's, you know, white, like, so, so-and-so, and that person's black, like, so-and-so. And instead of shutting down that conversation, what my sister does is she you know says yes that person is white like so and so that person is black and you know you love so and so and you love these people so you know yes these people are different but you love these people these are still good people and just it's like I said as early as they can understand differences talk to them about those differences and talk to like I said talk to my son about all of those but also what makes them great what makes these people unique like these differences are good things mm-hmm. um and then like i said slowly evolving that conversation to you know how it would affect the elementary school students so we we all know that we see racism in the classroom and um systemic racism in the education system so kind of talk to him about how that looks like as a young black boy you may not be able to do what your friends are able to do um so you need to make sure you know x y and z and then again as a teenager once he starts driving having that conversation with him so again something that is going to be an ongoing conversation and we definitely plan to introduce it as as soon as he can understand differences so that way he knows you know like from jump like this life for you as the black man and us as black people is just not fair yes i love that alexis i love that that's that it's going to be a continued conversation and applied based on what stage they are in their life Mm -hmm. that makes so much sense and i hope um someone who's listening right now and maybe not know how to have that conversation keeps that in mind or people mm-hmm. who don't have a kid yet and maybe have a son one day like myself you know will definitely take that advice and apply that to mm-hmm. my own life because that's that's very great i think that's great advice um i yeah. think this is a great time to take a break we're gonna take a small break and come right back Hey girl, hey! This podcast is sponsored by the Millennial Wives Club. We are a community of supportive women who just so happen to be millennial wives, hence the name. We are actually more than just wives. We are mothers, we are bosses, we are friends, we are leaders in our community, daughters, sisters, and so much more. Despite the name, the Millennial Wives Club, You do not have to be a wife to join the club, but you do have to aspire to be a wife. If you are a woman who has a passion for connecting and supporting like-minded women, looking for a tribe to remind you that you are not alone, and don't mind going places with strangers who turn into sister friends, join us. Just go to the website, themillennialwivesclub.com slash join the club for more details on how to join your local chapter or how to start your own. All right, girl, we'll see you then. Now let's get back into the show. All right, we are back. Um, Alexis, thank you so much for sharing your story and allowing us to get in your business just a little bit. Um, Just to close us (laughs) out, (laughs) I want to ask, what is your advice to the woman in transition juggling motherhood and career right now oh so my main uh, piece of advice especially since I like I said earlier I'm having a hard time juggling um again being completely transparent having a hard time juggling these things myself 
myself. But one of the main things I've been really trying to do um, is just be patient with myself. Um, so yeah, just be patient with yourself. Allow yourself to make mistakes in motherhood as well as your career. Allow yourself room for growth. Don't think you have to be perfect, um, especially as a mom, because when you're when your son or your your daughter looks at looks at you at the end of the day, they don't see all of your imperfections. They don't see you uh, or the mistakes you've made that day. They just see you and they're happy and joyous uh, with who their mom is. So just allow yourself to breathe, allow yourself to make mistakes, be patient with yourself. Um, also get a planner. I never really utilized the planner. Um, but now that I've been like working in a planner and journaling, like I've definitely noticed difference in differences in my attitude differences in um getting back getting things done on time and things like that so be patient with yourself but also implement different things to put structure to your life because juggling being a mom juggling having a career juggling being a wife can definitely take a toll on you and if you're unorganized you're going to constantly feel overwhelmed so to alleviate some of that Definitely allow yourself room for mistakes, but also allow structure to come in your life and be more structured as a person, as a mom in, in your career. All right. That was very sound advice, Alexis. Thank you again so much. This is a great oh, episode. No problem. No problem. Thank you so much, Tia, for inviting me on. I'm so happy that I was able to share a little bit about myself with you all. I don't typically do things like that. So I'm definitely uh, hoping that this resonated with some women. And I would love to hear some feedback from y'all on things that I can do to balance being a wife and being a mom. Because again, I'm still struggling a little bit. <laughs> Yes, yes. And and we'll always be in some sort of transition. So um, keep us updated on your transition. And yes, we yes. might have to have you back on again, girl. <laughs> yes, yes. Hopefully I'm in a different space um, and, and doing better so I can provide, um, you know, more tips on certain things that I've learned throughout these transitions that I'm going through. Yes. Well, all right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time. Bye. Are you ready to learn how to do your makeup like a pro? Well, my name is Z and I want to invite you to join the Better Than YouTube makeup class community. It's better than YouTube because you're going to get the details and makeup secrets you've been missing to help you master your brows, blend that eyeshadow, and snatch your face with that highlighting and contouring. So head on over to betterthanyt.com to grab your free makeup starter kit today. That's betterthanyt.com and I am so excited to teach you. Well, all right, friends, that's all I got. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to Women in Transition. I am your host, Tia Davidson. I hope you enjoyed the show. For show notes and submission of questions, please visit www.accordingtotia.com. But before you do that, can you do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast? And while you're there, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. I would really appreciate your feedback and your support. And if you're not already following me at According to Tia or at the Millennial Wives Club, you are missing out. I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. To step out of my comfort zone, I'm not afraid. See, I don't want to block what God has for me. Watching what I feed my mind, good energy. Good energy. And I let go the people that's no good for me. See, I'm fooling.